uh, to know and to be known. So I just want to jump in. How many of you realize that God has created in you and I this desire to know other people? I mean, we want to know. We want to know about other people. And uh, in an unhealthy way, that is very much demonstrated in our community. Can I give you just a few pictures that demonstrate how our desire to know about other people is not good? Oh, here we go. That's filling. We all want to know. What, what is that representing there? Great. Uh, like, nobody has a problem with gossip, am I right? No, you know, that's, you know, how many of you have heard the joke, listen, I don't repeat gossip, so you better listen the first time. <laughs> listen, gossip is, it's contagious. It's like, and even if you know that it's not good, how many of you know we still want to know? Like, especially if it's good. Okay, just tell me so I can pray for them. We become prayer gossipers, right? Because we put a spiritual twist on it. And uh, listen, gossip, I don't care what other name you tag with it, it's still not right. Am I right? If, you can't, if you're not a part of the solution uh, or can do something about it, you don't need to hear it. You can just stop people. Uh, because one thing that we have found out, if they, somebody finds out you are an ear to listen, then they will keep coming. But So you've got to stop it. But that's just a demonstration that we want to know. Here's another one right here. Go to the grocery store. They're everywhere. Gossip magazines. What do they call them? Uh, tabloids, right? And, uh, man, I, there were so many pictures. But I just want to tell you, I really don't care if Brad and Jen want a baby. I am not going to spend my good money just to find out. It's like, uh, so what? Or, or uh, good grief, why do I keep forgetting his name? Tom Cruise right? Okay, he's in Scientology. He's lost. Let me just pray for him, right? Uh, whatever. The This is us, Mandy. Heartbreaking, untold story. Don't you just want to know? Right? Don't you? <coughs> that's that desire that's there. And let me just say, these tabloids, there's literally hundreds of them around the globe. England's got some of their own, and it's like some of them are so unknown, but people are still buying them. And this is not a new phenomenon. I looked up to the oldest uh, tabloid magazine, 1916, was the Broadway Brevities. And it told all the stuff about the New York theater and all the people. And I'm like, who, who cares? But people obviously care. Obviously care. Uh, there's one that I'm dating myself with this right here, but uh, I want to see who actually knows who this person is right here. Yeah. What's her first name? Yeah, Gladys. How many? If you don't know, this is from a sitcom in the '60s, Bewitched, and uh, the nosy neighbor. Let me just say, I don't care what neighborhood we've lived in. There's always been a Gladys in our neighborhood, Amen. right? And it's like, and if you don't have one in your neighbor, maybe you're the one. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let me tell you, when we moved into our house, it's been five years. Next month will be five years that we've been here. Uh, that's hard to believe. But we moved in. One of the neighbors came out to find, we're just, oh man, she's so nice. But she started filling us in on all the other neighbors in the, in the area, right? And then there's been other people and we see her over there talking. It's like, she's telling about us, right? She's telling, anyway, that's just a, a reminiscent of our desire to know about others. But like I said, the wrong way, this can destroy relationships, Right? This can destroy churches, right? When that stuff begins to happen, it destroys friendships all the time. 
I, I looked for some verses and there were too many, but it says this, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife and a gossip separates the best of friends. How many of you have found that to be true in life? There's people you used to be friends with, but not, I mean, gossip destroyed it, right? They betrayed you. That's what the, it says in uh, Proverbs eleven thirteen. a gossip betrays a confidence. And once you've been betrayed, it's hard to go back, isn't it? It's hard to go back. But I love this. A trustworthy person keeps a secret. Listen, we all need trustworthy people in our life. That means you and I need to be trustworthy. That if somebody tells you something, it's not like, okay, I'll keep it a secret. You know, you can't do that. Uh, Here's the thing. We need that in our life. Something else that we have in common with all humanity, I believe God put it that way, is that we all have this desire to be known. We want other people to know about us. We want people, we, we don't want to just be the wallflower where nobody knows anything about us. We want to be noticed in a good way. Amen? Those that don't want to be known by everybody, let me, let me just say, there's a good chance they were burned by the first situation. Somebody tore, and it's like, okay, you know what? I've been burned too many times. Let me just kind of ease in and ease out. I don't care if nobody knows anything about me ever again. Uh, that's not in a good situation. I just want to tell you that. But here's proof that you and I have this desire to be known. And it's this thing called social media. Right? Here's my Facebook page in case you happen to look for me. I know I didn't, it was just a screenshot that I took. But uh, here's our son-in-law. All you can see is his mouth there. Uh, he's like 6'3 or 4 or something like that. So uh, when we get grandbabies from that side, they're going to be taller than us. So... Uh, that's how it is. But social media, it's there. Isn't it interesting? We like to tell people what we're doing. We like to tell people where we're at. Hey, I'm at here. Uh, and? Right? And it's like, or we like to take pictures of our food and show people what we're eating. <laughs> Come on, you guys know, some of you guys have done that. We used to, when we lived in Chico, we had international students, we had Japanese, and they were notorious for taking picture of every single meal they ate. And it's like, whoa, look at that, you know, and they're taking a picture of it and, uh, and post that. But you, some of you guys do the same thing. Here's my picture from last Monday. We had grandparent duty. And uh, yes, somebody commented about my nice styled hair right there. But let me just say, this was Monday morning about 730 in the morning. So I did not style my hair. Uh, but I had grandkids on top of me. And, and you know what? I put it out there because I want people to see my amazing grandkids. Isn't that what you do? Right? Okay, so what? In a couple of months, I don't know how I'm going to have arms for five of them, but I'll have to get Pastor Colleen and I will like, we'll somehow make it happen. But uh, here's some statistics that I found out. This was in April 2023, this year. Uh, basically, about three million or three billion people are on Facebook every month. At least once a month that they are on their Facebook account. The daily use, people that are on it every single day, is uh, 2.037 billion people are on Facebook every single day, right? Some of you guys are just snoopers, but some people post on a regular basis, right? Uh, Think about this. There are 7.88 billion people on the earth, so I did the math on this. That means 38% of our entire world is on Facebook at least once a month. I don't know. Does that, does that surprise you? Almost 40%. There are places that there is no electricity, so they're not on Facebook, 
But that means that there's higher percentages here. The global, then there's other uh, social media outlets, am I right? There's all kinds. There's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, or what X now, whatever it is. So uh, all kinds of different things. So now they're saying that the world penetration rate of social network is 59.4% of people in our world are on some type of social media. Uh, it, that's, that's crazy, isn't it? And why am I sharing that? Because it, notice how I kept my grandkids up here. So uh, that means the global social network that pre, people have a desire not just to know, but they want to be known. They want people to know that. And the problem with social media is that we only post the things that we like. It doesn't give a real accurate picture of what's going on. And I was thinking of this scripture out of 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, a lot of times, oh, that's the love chapter. Uh, But there's something I want to point out that maybe you don't really think about because it starts in verse 10. It says, when a time of perfection comes, and that means when Jesus comes back, we're no longer in these bodies, that's perfection, right? Right now we live in a time of imperfection. But it says the partial things will become useless. And it was talking about uh, some of the gifts of the Spirit that are not going to be needed in heaven, right? You don't need words of knowledge, words of wisdom. You don't need all prophecy. None of, all of that one day is going to disappear. But he says now, at this moment, we see things imperfectly. That means nobody has it all figured out. And you guys have heard me say, if you ever find a church that acts like they got it all figured out, you better get away because that's probably a cult right? None of us have everything figured out. It says like puzzling reflection in a mirror. He says, but then talking about when, when Christ comes again, we will see everything with perfect clarity. How many of you know that's going to be a great day? But let's check out the second part of this verse. All I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely. Look at this. Just as God now knows me completely. How many of you realize God knows everything about you? Everything about you. Whether you like it or not, God knows who you are. God knows what you did last summer, and he knows what you're going to do next summer. If you're even here on this earth, you may be with him in heaven. God knows all of our hidden motives. God knows all of our secrets. And and let me just say this. God is not looking at your social media page to find out what you're doing. He doesn't have to do that, right? And the encouraging thing about that, that God knows all of that and he still loves me. Amen. He knows all of my bad parts, my, my hidden things, and he still cares about me. I love what it says in Jeremiah. Before, I knew you when? Before I formed you in your mother's womb. And when? Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to nations. So God is talking to Jeremiah about that. And how many of you know God is not a respecter of persons? If he knew Jeremiah before, guess what? He knew each and every one of us before. Right? Even if your parents told you you were an accident, don't raise your hand on that. How many of you know you weren't an accident in God's eyes? Right? You may have surprised them, but you didn't surprise God. Amen? So he knew all of us. And not only that is that he designed each of us with purpose. God has put purpose within each and every one of us. Yeah, we mess it up sometimes, am I right? But that doesn't mean God's purpose goes away because he already knew you were going to mess it up. So he's going to use you in your mess. Amen? Thank you for that. Sometimes we think, well, I know God was going to use me, but man, I just made some bad decisions. Listen, if you're alive and breathing, God can still use you. 
Amen? That purpose is still there. Uh, Check it out in uh, Luke 12. He says, the very heads on your head are numbered. I know, I say this all the time. Some of you guys make that job easier, right? Uh, But don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I don't know. I hope that encourages some of you guys. That simply means God knows you even the smallest details of your life. He knows who you are better than you know yourself. Amen? Tell somebody, hey, God knows you better than you know yourself. We need to understand that. Now, I want to give you guys an illustration that's in your notes there, but on the, on the other side, but it's called the Johari window. Uh, I've talked about this before, but I think it's something that we need to, to constantly think about. And, and uh, it talks about the four quadrants of our lifestyle or who we are. There's the open self, and this is information about you that you know and other people know. Right? There's things about me that I don't mind. I mean, these are the things that you put on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. I don't mind people knowing that I got grandkids. I don't mind them knowing that I got three more coming, right? Uh, I don't, that, these are things that are, people know that I'm a pastor. Even if they don't know it, eventually they find out. And I had a, uh, what was it? Oh, we go to our gym that we go to. The lady there the other day, she goes, I didn't realize you were a pastor. And I'm like, well, I didn't tell you. So... <laughs> You know, we just go in there. I don't make, I don't announce it on the trumpet, but that's my open self. I don't care if other people know about it. But then this bottom quadrant, this is our hidden self. All of us have this. This is information about you that you know, but you don't want anybody else to know. All right, these are my motives. These are the, the wrong thoughts that you have. Whatever it is, we try to keep that hidden, right? Who do you know that you can't hide it from? God, absolutely. So uh, what about this one, the blind self? Again, every one of us have this in our life. This is information about you that you don't know, but others do know. Right? Everybody kind of, ooh. I don't like this quadrant. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to be honest with you. Because sometimes we are so good at deceiving ourselves, we think, man, I'm right. I'm right in this argument. I've got it figured out. Everybody else is looking at me like, man, that guy has no clue. Let's be honest. We all have a, a blind self that we don't see about. Now, like, like you may think, man, everybody likes me. Everybody thinks I'm funny. And other people are like, man, that guy is so annoying. Right? I can't. Yeah. One more joke, right? Just one more. Anyway, now let's move on. Then there's the unknown self. This is information about you that neither you nor others know. There are things about myself that, that I don't even know. But guess who does know all four of those quadrants? God knows everyone. He knows our open self. He knows our hidden self. He knows our blind self. And he's the only one that knows that unself. And he's the only one that can get us in the right place. I mean, that, that's why he knows even the hairs on your head. He knows everything about us. And like I said, he still loves us. So I say that for several reasons. But number one, God created with this with this incredible desire to know other people and for them to know us in a healthy way. Amen? Even though we're surrounded by so many people, like I said, almost 60% of the world trying to connect through people, we actually live in the most loneliest time on the earth, right? We got all these people, we know all these things, but something is going on. This is a recent study, too, that came out. Loneliness in the United States. 52% of Americans report feeling lonely. I mean, wait a minute, I've got 3,000 Facebook friends. Why am I lonely? 
All right? Why is that? What about uh, 47% of Americans report that their relationships with others are not meaningful? Right? That means that there's basically no depth to it. I got a lot of shallow relationships, but I don't have any in-depth relationships. That makes a big difference. And this one kind of blew me away. 57% single or not of Americans report eating all meals alone. What in the world is going on? This is a lonely time in our world. And the fact is that God created you and I for community. Am I right? God created us to have relationship with other people. That's why he said the greatest commandment is to love God and to do what? Love others, love others right? We, we, sometimes people are like, man, I've been burned by others. All I do is want to focus on God. That's great. You can get to heaven, but I want to tell you, there's another aspect that makes your life a lot richer, and that's being in that kind of community. And I know we're in America. We're independent, right? I don't need nobody else. I just me and just me and God. I'm just going to do this thing. How many of you know the motto of the independent person is "I got this"? Right? Hey, you need some help? No, nope, I got this. Right? I don't need any help. I don't need anybody. I'm just going to do this myself. Listen, that's a dangerous three-word phrase to adapt into your lifestyle. And if you don't feel like you need other people in your life, then the reality is that you're just deceiving yourself. Right? Remember the blind spot window? Things that you can't see but everybody else sees? Maybe you're wondering, why is it that nobody ever wants to hang around me? Why is it that I started walking? I saw them in the store and I saw them take an immediate right and get out of the store. What's going on? We need other people to speak in our life because we are so good at deceiving ourselves. Whether, you know, driving, have you ever noticed that when there's crazy people on the road, everybody else is the bad driver, but you're the good driver? Everybody else. Your understanding of God, your theology, well, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. I got this thing figured out. My relationships, why do they keep falling apart? Well, it's they did this, they did that, they, 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 all of that. Even arguments that we get into with other people. Well, you know what? I was trying to work it out, but they just wouldn't have it. You know, they kept doing this. And, and, and let me just say this. Could it be if you are always right that possibly you're the one that's deceived? Yeah, I don't like being wrong either. I'm just telling you. But like I said, we were created for community. And if you break that word apart, it means that we have common unity. There are things that we should have in common. And let me just say, this world is creating communities outside of the, uh, the kingdom of God, left and right. And not that they're bad. Like if your kids are in sports, then you know what? You have an automatic community with other people, that other parents, and you're bringing them there. So, but that's only going to last as long as your kids are in sports, right? They do grow up, as we can all attest to. Uh, sports in general, hiking. Maybe you got a group of people. We like to hike together. Or I've heard of this one, a running group. Doesn't that sound fun? Anyone ready to join that? So uh, here's the thing. There are stronger and more eternal communities that God has established. And let me just start with this, asking a question that the Apostle Paul asked the Philippian church. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? These are rhetorical, but what's the answer? Yes. Have you ever been encouraged by Christ? Absolutely. He goes, any comfort from his love? Anybody ever been comforted by the love of God? Yeah, amen. Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Yeah. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? I hope yes. Right? 
So he says all of that in verse 2. He says this, Then make me truly happy by what? Agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Do we see that a lot of times? I mean, sometimes you don't even see that in a church because they're arguing over, well, I wanted the blue carpet and you got the brown carpet and I, you know, I just can't agree with that. Uh, we get bickering about little things. But then he says, loving one another and look at this, working together with one mind and one purpose. How do we, how do, we do this when you think about, we all got different backgrounds. I mean, look around, everybody's got a different background. My wife and I, we have, we've been married 35 years, but we have different upbringings. Our lives were completely different. Uh, everybody in here has a different history. Everybody's got a different way of thinking about things. There's different generations here, different viewpoints, different values, different political thoughts. Don't throw anything at me over that, please. Uh, different races, different languages. How do we achieve this when we're so different? When we're so, we, look at, we look at the world through different lenses. How do we do that? Well, I want to tell you, we need to go back to the early church and figure out how they did it. Amen. How did they do it? Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says that they worshiped together at the temple each day. How many of you know that's the big gathering? That's what we do on a Sunday. We're here together. We're here to grow together. But then it says that they met in homes in small groups for the Lord's Supper. So they came together not only in big time, but they also came in a smaller group and began to build actual relationships and shared their meals with great joy, generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So they were doing two different meetings that they were doing. They were meeting together as a big group, but they were meeting together in a smaller group. Look what happened to the church when that happened. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. How many of you know that was a healthy church that was going on and it was a growing church as a result of it? That's what we want to see. The growth of the church and God's kingdom in general depends on you and I being healthy as a follower of Christ. Does that make sense? I've got to be a healthy person. If I'm going to, let me just say, if your body has a cancerous cell, how many of you know your body is sick? If your body's going to be healthy, it's all got to be healthy. Right, And it's got to bring that healing. There's a lot of people that love God, but they're not in a healthy place. And so we've got to get there. I, I love what, you know, there was a dialogue going in, in Mark where uh, the uh, Pharisees were like disgruntled because uh, they were eating with sinners. And I like how the New Living Translation says that they were eating with uh, disreputable sinners and tax collectors. Right? Anybody ever been disreputable in your life? Right? Come on, there's hands everywhere. And so Jesus is listening to this conversation, and he says, when he heard it, he says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those that know they're a sinner. Right? Does anybody think, man, I am righteous in my own standing? All right, let's put our hand down. Maybe you've heard this phrase one way or another. I've heard it worded different ways. Uh, but the church is not a hospital for the sick, or is a hospital for the sick, not a waiting room for the saints. What does that mean? It means that all of us are on the road to getting healthy. Even the Apostle Paul, he even said, not that I have achieved all of this, but I continue to press on. You know, the Apostle Paul saying, listen, I'm still in the hospital. 
God is still making me more like him. We're in the hospital until we go to meet him, right? Because right now, we are in a time of imperfection. We only know so much, right? And God is slowly revealing those unknown quadrants in our life, right? I've been serving the Lord now for almost 40 years. 40, yes, 41 years, as a matter of fact. And uh, God is still showing me areas of my life that I got a little attitude about. And if you guys saw the little concrete slab out there that's still under construction, the Lord's showing me I still got an attitude because the county is making me mad. That's all I got to say. They're like, oh, well, you need to do this. And then they, they're like, oh, no, you need another spot now because you got this many parking spots. And it's like, how did you not see that when you signed off the first time? So it's like, okay, Lord, I got to really pray, right? I'm supposed to be the pastor here, so I shouldn't have an attitude. What's going on? I have an attitude, and uh, God is still unjust in it. So listen, I can't be in the waiting room when I still need God to help me with my attitude. Amen? Amen. So can you imagine if you were sick and you needed to go to the hospital to get health? Because because the church is supposed to be the hospital, would you be going to this hospital room? Yeah, that looked kind of gross, right? This is from a, a hospital in New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina. There's like mud and all kinds. I mean, you can tell somebody was in this room recently. And it's like, oh man, if that's what the church looks like, I am not going there. Right? What about, and, and I know we've mentioned it several times, uh, here's, how about that nursery, right? Like, where's Stephanie at? Right there. And Heather, IRS. Do you guys want to put the babies in that kind of nursery right there? Yeah, hard pass, right? Nobody would want that. I think that somebody photoshopped that baby in there. I don't know, but uh, ooh. (laughs) Or what about, oh man, I got surgery planned. Let me check out the hospital. Look at the the room here. Like broken lights. Uh, No, please don't do my surgery in that room right there. And, And why do I show those kind of pictures? Because while many churches may look good on the outside, good on the outside, spiritually they're not healthy. Number of people does not represent health, what represents health, and not even, ooh man, the quality of the worship and the pastor and all of those things. Those shouldn't be the only deciding factors. What matters is raising up healthy disciples for the kingdom of God. Amen? What, that's what matters. So, uh, listen, most churches have gotten the big gathering down. All right, we know how to do it. We can get the lights, we can get the camera, we can have the action, right? We can do that, but it's that house-to-house ministry that we struggle with. And even a lot of churches, they may have small groups, but it's just like, it's another thing that we do. Oh yeah, if you want to do that, you can come to that. And, and uh, you know, we have been doing our small groups, but we are getting more focused on it right now. Because this is such a vital thing in the kingdom of God. The average church, if they have small group, it's only 10 to 20% of people are actually involved in it. So it sounds like it's just another thing uh, to do. Uh, But I want to tell you, and I'm going to give you a little bit of the importance of being a part of a small group. We call them life groups here. Uh, I want to tell you what they're not, first of all. They're not just another thing to do. Uh, I mean, there's plenty. If if it's just another thing to do, I want to give a hard pass to it. That's not what it is. Life groups are not a Bible college class where you're going to get into the Greek and Hebrew and, you know, dissect the verse and really... There's other things that are around for that. And it's not just a social hangout. You know, hey, listen, where can I go? You know, let me just... How many of you remember Amway? If you're in it, I think it's Kobe's another name now. 
and uh, people would come to church and they're looking for clientele. I mean, I, I've been pastoring a long time and I'm like, dude, you can be in that, but this is not your pool to fish from. Uh, it's not that social hangout. Here's uh, life groups, what they are, and this is actually on our website. You can check it out. Life groups are so much more than people meeting up for Bible study or a social hangout. They're a place where meaningful relationships with others and God are found, where your understanding following Jesus finds traction, and where you'll find a place to belong. Isn't that what we really want? Like, I want to be, everybody wants a place where they feel like they belong, not just a place that they come in and visit every now and then. So life groups really are where you can be known by other people in a healthy way, not in a gossipy way. They really are a place where you can get deeper into God's Word because most of our small groups, they basically take our message. And if you read in your bulletin, it's got the discussion questions. Those are the things that go over in our small group. And we go a little bit deeper in it. Sometimes they get one or two questions into it. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but you know what? That's the, the point is that we're building real relationships. And number three, and a small group is where we can actually fulfill the one another's of Scripture. I mean, you can do it in a bigger church, but it's a lot easier in a small church. What are the one another's of Scripture? Uh, it, the Scripture says either one another or each other. Uh, here's the Greek word, but it simply means one another, each other, mutually reciprocal. How many of you know it's not a one-way communication? Oh, I'm calling you. How you doing? I love you. Hey, I'm, we missed you. Uh, that's a one-sided conversation, right? How many of you don't go very deep with one-sided conversations? We are to love each other. That means I'm reaching out to you and you're reaching out to me. That's the sign of a healthy church. And the scripture actually gives 59 of those occurrences in scripture. So I'm going to cover all 59. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to give you four of them, okay? And uh, we may go a couple of minutes over, but I hope that's okay. First one is John 13, 34. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So we hear that all the time. Love one another, love one another, love one another. Yeah, I'm supposed to love you. How many of you know we use that word so flippantly in our society now? You hear it all the time. I love you. We watch, anybody watch America's Got Talent? All right, some of you guys are, you know, hey, I love you. Or rock concerts or whatever, and they are out there screaming to their fans, I love you. They don't love you. They love the fact that you just spent 100 150 bucks to come to their concert. That's what they love because cha-ching, that's money in my pocket right there. Come on, love. Sometimes we use that loosely even in church. I hear people, oh, I love you, I love you too. And then they get mad about something and they leave and you never see them again. So how deep is that love if I can say I love you and then I'll see you? Not going to think about you ever again. All right, I am out. Peace out, brother. Uh, that's not love. We are fooling ourselves. Sometimes we, we have to realize, how do I really develop that love for one another? And that's only by actually getting to know somebody else. My level of love is only going to be as deep as I've allowed myself to be known or as much as you have gotten allowed somebody to know you. If you keep everybody at hand distance away, uh, hey, listen, I love you, but you know what? I really don't know a lot about you. So my love is going to be shallow, and that's where a lot of people live because they're afraid to get in there. How do I uh, avoid that? i got to get in where I can actually begin to build relationship with other people. 
Amen. That works best in a small group, group sitting because uh, if we're closed off, we're not going to go that deep. I mean, my wife, let me just give an example. We've been married 35 years. I love her more now than I did 35 years ago. Why? Because I've gotten to know her. Listen, I know her good qualities and I know her bad qualities. And guess what? She knows those about me as well. And we still love either each other in spite of all of that. And uh, because that's how deep our relationship has gone. Uh, we talked about our mission trip. We went on uh, to El Salvador, 10 days. And I got to know some of the, the people on that more than just see it. And uh, Kaylee and I, she's back there in the back. She gave such an amazing testimony last week where God has healed her of migraines and some of the things that uh, uh, her dietary thing. You know, if I didn't know her and see her struggling through that in the past, I would have been like, oh, well, praise God. But I mean, to hear it, because I've got to have a little bit of a relationship, I'm like, that's amazing. I mean, because there's more of a relationship there. Whatever the situation, and listen, if we're going to fulfill this command of loving one another, we've got to somehow purpose to enter into a deeper relationship. Amen? Next one, Romans, I'm going through them quick, so... Romans 14, 19, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Can I tell you, if I don't know anything about you, it's awfully hard to build you up. Right? If I don't know any struggles and if you don't know any struggles I'm going through, how is that going to happen? Somehow we've got to get in close connection with some people and begin to be honest with them. Like some of you guys this morning, when Pastor Colleen said, how many of you are struggling? I, I can almost guarantee there were several of you that didn't want to raise your hand because you didn't know who was looking. You didn't know who you could trust. Some of you guys were okay with it, but some of you guys are probably like, yeah, you know what? They're going to probably judge me. And I understand that because that happens, right? Because we're, we stay distant from other people. And I'm not like, oh, man, you bet. I understand why you don't you know what, God, you can just heal me of this. I don't need to tell anybody else. But listen, if we're going to really build each other up, we've got to actually know each other. Third, uh, one another. First Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage one another. This is pretty much the similar thing, but I can't encourage... Anybody ever come... To, well, don't raise your hand, please. But uh, if you ever came into a church and you were carrying a heavy burden, downcast, just struggling, and then you left the exact same way you came because nobody encouraged you, nobody really acknowledged you, maybe you got a high, good to see you, hope to see you next week kind of thing, and, and you fe- left feeling like nobody cares. Well, listen, there's a possibility it may be just that you never let anybody know you. We can't encourage somebody that, don't, that we don't know what they're going through. We can, you know, I can, we can hug, right? We can high five, we can elbow bump, whatever it is. But I can tell you, there are people in the church that I know better than others. Because like, like Rick and Betty that are on our small, they come to Thursday night prayer and we know the challenges that they're going through. And, you know, we share the challenges and it's like, there's, there's a deeper connection because they, we are in that together. Our men's Bible study. I mean, some of you guys that, that come to that on a regular basis, and I hope you don't mind me pointing you out, but like, you know, uh, Richard back there and David, uh, we're getting to know each other on a deeper level because we spend time. The Christ-like dudes, you guys, every Wednesday, I'm in there with you, and I'm getting to know you guys even better. And I love it. So how do I encourage each other? i got to know each other, right? Uh, last one, Romans fifteen seven. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. And uh, 
Let me just say this. This is not an easy thing to do because we are very quick at making instant judgments when we see people. Am I right? Like you meet somebody for the first time and maybe they remind you of somebody that you had a problem with. Maybe uh, they look similar. Maybe a characteristic. And we already, oh man, that guy's a jerk. It's like, how do you know they're, they're a jerk? Well, you know what? They remind me of this. They have this action. They have this attitude. So I know because I've met somebody like them. You don't know them. Isn't that Daniel's favorite quote back there? You don't know me. Right, so I asked a couple of guys from uh, from our Christlike just to come up. So Ren and Juan, if you guys would come up, uh, and you guys may not know who they are. Uh, let me get this thing going here. Is this mic on? And I didn't give them any preparation other this except for during greeting time. So uh, I don't know if you notice this. Ren's got a few tattoos on himself, and uh, you don't have to explain all. Of, look, is that like a skull right there? Yeah, so he's got a history. Has anybody ever, like, made an instant judgment looking at you? Yeah, so they, but they don't know you, right? Tell, me, tell, tell them who you are right now in Christ, what God has done in your life. Uh, so God, for me, has restored a lot. You know, I, I was so broken, you know, in, in this world and turning to everything but God, trying to handle it myself, and he's restored relationships in my life. He's given me clarity. He's given me love, his love, you know. He's given me the ability to love other people, too, and accept other people and not pass judgment right off of uh, the bat, you know? So I may have tattoos, but I'm not getting any more, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, God is good. I just I wake up every morning just so happy and so thankful that I'm in his hands still and that I could just seek his face every morning because it's just getting better and better every day. Amen. So. Amen. All right. And let me just say this. Ren's not afraid to share Jesus with people either, right? <laughs> Do you want to share that? What? You guys know Jesus Christ? Huh? <laughs> so this next guy won, and uh, he's such a sharp-dressed guy right now, but uh, what was it about? Was it, how long have you been in the house now? Uh, four months. It seems like it's been longer than that. When he came uh, into the house, uh, he was a different person, and... Uh, Tell, tell, and you got to talk slowly because he is from Panama. He's got a little bit of an accent. <laughs> but share what God's doing in your life. At, that, have you ever had anybody misjudge you just by meeting you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my name is Juan, and I'm from Panama. I do have an accent. Um, yes, I'll give you a little story. Uh, um, I used to stay at a, at a trailer park in Motherlode. And uh, one day I was walking a dog, a pit bull dog. And someone immediately called the house manager to tell them that there's a black guy that is walking at people and he must be aggressive. <laughs> immediately. And so, and so they were getting ready to call the police just because of my appearance at the time. Um, so uh, I may get mad up, you know, upset sometimes, but I'm not aggressive. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not like that, you know. Um, what God is doing in my life right now is that he's transforming my thinking, my behavior, um, he's giving me a new love for people, for ministry, um, and God is doing something great. You know, it's just uh, it's just transforming everything that I am. You know, from from you know, I I grew up in church, you know, but I really didn't give myself the chance to have a relationship with Christ in a deeper way. And so, a lot of people when they see us coming in a van, they see a bunch of guys and they're thinking, oh, they must be in trouble. <laughs> But the last thing that they don't know is that every single one of us that is in that home, we're looking for Christ. Amen. We're looking for a relationship with God. 
that's what we do in there, you know. And so, um, and it's amazing because I, I'm able to witness transformation in all of us, you know, in just going deeper with that. And so, but when they see us at Walmart, they, they get scared. They see a van with a bunch of guys. They're like, wow, you know. The, the next thing you see is guys that look crazy praying for people at Walmart. Amen. And that's what they see. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I could have had just about any of them sharing. And, uh, but it's easy. I mean, oh, man, you got tattoos. You know, oh, you must be this. You must be that. And we make those instant judgments. We all do it. Like I said, I think it's our human nature. Uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, some studies reveal that if it's the first time you ever come to a church, some people make the decision 10 minutes before they've ever been in the worship or hear the pastor. They've already made a decision. Am I coming back or not? Right, Because we make those instant judgments all the time. So how do I overcome that? How am I going to accept other people if all I see is them momentarily in church? I've got to get in there in a small group of some sort and actually get to start getting to know people. And allowing them to get to know you. That's how we follow that command to accept other is slowing down long enough. Hold off the judgment even if you want to make it, right? Even if one's coming at you with a pit bull, right? <laughs> Say, tie that up, please, right now. Let's talk, right? So uh, whatever the situation, we need to follow that. Uh, I got to get to know them. They got to get to know me. And like I said, it's better done on a Sunday or on a small group. You can do it somewhat in a, in a, in a Sunday, but it's only going to go so deep. Amen. And I just want to say, if you're a follower of Christ and you're not a part of a small group, then I want to tell you, you are missing out on something that's very rich. You're missing out on relationships because this is our little motto with our life groups. Life is better in community. Amen. It's better being apart. So I'm just going to give you real quick. I'm almost done, so please hold on. These are our groups that we have. We got a couple of new ones that are starting up, but Bob and Marilyn Hawk, they meet every our first and third Tuesday in the cafe. If you don't like driving at night, then there's one there. Uh, James and Robin that are back there up in Pollock Pines. So if you're like, oh, I don't know if I can drive down that far, they meet uh, first and third Tuesday. Uh, David and Christina, and she's on a cruise right now with Beth, but David's over there. Uh, uh, Sundays, 6 p.m. in their home in Rescue, first and third uh, Sunday nights. Uh, Joshua and Heather, which are right over there. They have the young adults, and they meet uh, second and fourth Saturday. And I think you guys do an activity once and then a study, so it's kind of fluctuating. But what a great place to get connected. Uh, Robert and Daniel, this is a new one. Where are you guys at? Back there in the back. And this is going to be in Eldorado Hills at Molly and her husband Ryan's house, second and fourth Tuesday night. So listen, we're like all the way from there, all the way up this ridge, all the way on 50. Uh, we're restarting our one back in Placerville. Uh, my wife and I are going to be leading it, but it's going to be at Stephen Artis's house right there in Placerville. So, uh, and then we have, these are not necessarily live groups, but every Thursday night we have prayer right here. There's about 10 of us that gather, and, and in that prayer time, yes, we're praying for needs, but guess what? We're praying for each other, right? We're going a little bit deeper, and, and I think, I love our Thursday night. So, uh, and then Friday men's Bible study, let me tell you, those are the men I know the most in this church, the men that come to that, and I know not everybody can come at 8 a.m. on a Friday. I mean, some people actually have jobs, right? 
Other people are retired. Other people have that day off. But listen, if you can make it, and that's my challenge is to be a part because this is, remember I said the average church has 10 to 20% of the people in a small group. Here's, these are some proven facts. A healthy church has at least 70 to 75% of the people involved in some kind of a small group. So I just want to tell you, that is our goal. You're going to hear us talking about it and encouraging. Listen, we're not going to slap your hand if you're not, but I want to encourage you because I'm not so interested in being the biggest church around. Amen? I don't have to have that, but I'll tell you what I do want to have is a healthy church. Right? Whether you have 50, whether you have 100, whether you have 1,000, I believe God has called us to be a healthy church. And I know that, yes, we will focus on God, we will love God, but we want to see relationships built with the other. And I know that sometimes it's a little scary, right? It's something like, oh, am I going to let... You can go into a small group and you can not say anything until you begin to relate and begin to start building some relationships. Right? There is no pressure on you like, hey, listen, you're not saying anything. I'm going to put you in a head, you know, hold until you do it. That's not it. We want to be healthy. I don't want to be the sick church. I'm not looking at being the entertaining church. Listen, there's enough of those around. Uh, I'm not looking to be the social church. I want to see, be the church that sees people raise up, become the body of Christ that we've been called to be. And uh, you know what? If we have a hundred, if we have a thousand, whatever it is, we want to be the church that, that, that is raising up disciples and followers of Christ. Amen? Let me, let me close with a verse. And I had the worship team going to come up, but we're good, guys. We, I'm going over. <laughs> but I want to give this verse because this is uh, you, dear friends. Notice that even in this, there it is again, build each other up. And it's not an option. How many of you know must is not an option? If you feel like it, no, build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who brings you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. And then check it out. And you must show, this is interesting because there's like a mercy sandwich here. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. And then check it out again. Show mercy still to others. Right? When you begin a people that show mercy, you can't be merciful to people if you don't know them. We begin to do that. What we're literally doing is snatching them from the flames and putting them on a good path. And listen, we all get there together. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, I know we're about nine minutes after. Are you guys okay? Maybe we should do the song. Are you guys okay for one? It'll, it'll be just a few more minutes, and uh, we're going to do that. It's, it's, uh, it's called Build Your Kingdom. I keep calling it We Are the Church because that's part of the line. But uh, can I have everybody stand? And uh, let's listen, if you want to know about those groups and you didn't get them, on our board out in the foyer, there is a little card to each one of those six small groups. So grab one of those, and uh, I don't think y'all aren't meeting today. Obviously not this week, next week, right? on Sunday. So some groups are meeting this week. Uh, Just grab that board and uh, you want to be a part of something because I want to tell you it's going to make a difference in your life. So